0: We come now, my friends, to the word of God, the message. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy Bible. We pray that you would open up our minds and hearts to the truth you want us to know, to experience, to apply in our individual lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. The title of The message today is Jephthah. That's right, Jephthah. You maybe have never heard of him. Maybe you have. The name is spelt J-E-P-H-T-H-A-H. Why don't you say it with me? Jephthah. Sounds good, doesn't it? Jephthah. Maybe that's a possible name for someone's uh, new baby in the new year, if it's a boy. All right. The story of Jephthah is told in the Bible in Judges chapter 11. And here is how the story begins to unfold. I'm going to share with you part one in this message, and then part two on the very first Sunday of January in this new year. Judges chapter 11. Now Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. Gilead's wife also had several sons. And when these half-brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. You will not get any of our father's inheritance, they said, for you are the son of a prostitute. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. That's T-O-B. Soon he had a band of worthless rebels following him. At about this time, the Ammonites began their war against Israel. When the Ammonites attacked, the elders of Gilead sent for Jephthah in the land of Tob. The elders said, Come and be our commander, help us fight the Ammonites. But Jephthah said to them, Aren't you the ones who hated me and drove me from my father's house? Why do you come to me now when you're in trouble? Because we need you, the elders replied. If you lead us in battle against the Ammonites... We will make you ruler over all the people of Gilead. Jephthah said to the elders, Let me get this straight. If I come with you, and if the Lord gives me victory over the Ammonites, will you really make me ruler over all the people? The Lord is our witness, the elders replied. We promise to do whatever you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead, And the people made him their ruler and commander of the army. At Mizpah, in the presence of the Lord, Jephthah repeated what he had said to the elders. My friends, you and I can learn some very incredible and important lessons from Jephthah that can help us, can help you in everyday life in this new year to come. And so I want want to invite you to focus now, first of all, with me on this first truth. And it is this. Number one, God can make something good and great out of your life, no matter what background you have. God can make something good and great out of your life no matter what background you have. This truth came to my mind right away when I read the very first verse, which says, Now Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. That's the New Living Translation the King James translation says she was a harlot. His mother was a harlot, H-A-R-L-O-T. Think about it, think about it, would you? Jephthah's mother was a prostitute. Jephthah could have grown up saying to himself, oh, I'm just a boy of a prostitute. Can anything good or great come ...from a prostitute? He could have said, of course not. Of course not. The encouraging news, however... ...is that Jephthah didn't, didn't think like that... ...because verse 1 tells us he became a, a great warrior. A great warrior. And as we read more about him in Judges chapter 11... ...and we didn't read the whole story we discover he became not only a great warrior, but he he also became a great leader, a great leader for them. In my Life Applications Study Bible, there is a beautiful statement from a commentator who says this. He says, a person's background does not prevent God from working powerfully in his or her life. Think about that. A person's background does not prevent God from working powerfully in his or her life. How true that is. Let me personalize it for you. Your background does not prevent God from working powerfully in your life. That's right. Perhaps... Perhaps you are or happen to be the son or daughter of a prostitute, just like Jephthah. Perhaps you are the son or daughter of alcoholic or drug-addicted parents. Maybe you are the child of a very poor family. It could be that you come from a single-parent family. It is possible that for some reason your father or mother or both abandoned you, sadly. It could be that you grew up in a family that was always on welfare or social services for whatever reasons. And maybe, maybe you come from a family in which your father or mother or both spent time in jail for whatever reasons. Perhaps you, you don't think perhaps you don't think you are as beautiful or as handsome or as smart or as gifted as as other people you grew up with. It might be that when you were in school, you, you you didn't get any awards for being the smartest in your class or in a specific subject or the greatest athlete in your school or the greatest singer or the best actor or actress. And now as an adult, Perhaps you haven't had as many promotions at work as you would like to have. Or you are retired, but you don't have the monthly income you thought you would have. My friend, no matter what your situation has been or is, be encouraged. Be encouraged as you you look towards the new year because... God can make something good and great out of your life no matter what your background is. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? He can do it. He can do it. Amen. Right on. There's a second lesson that I believe can really help you and me in this new year to come from Jephthah. And it is this, number two. Choices you and I make in our lives can be a big help or a big hurt to your family and to others. Look at verse one again, which says... Now Jephthah of Gilead was a great warrior. He was the son of Gilead, but his mother was a prostitute. His mother was a prostitute. Uh, Just to avoid confusion, by the way, let me mention that Gilead was a mountainous region east, just east of the Jordan River, Situated in modern-day Jordan, as well as a certain geographical area being called Gilead, Jephthah's father's name was also Gilead. I mention this just so there's no confusion. Nowadays, for example, some parents might name their daughter Lindsay But there's also, for instance, the the city of Lindsay, Ontario, here in Canada. Anyway, Jephthah was the son of Gilead, and he grew up in the region of Gilead. Here's the important thing. Verse 1 tells us his mother was a prostitute. Think about it. Why did Jephthah's father get involved and become intimate with a harlot? Did he get involved with the prostitute before marriage or after marriage? We are not told. Either way, obviously, Jephthah's father's involvement with the prostitute was wrong. That was wrong. It is also very sad that that woman felt she needed to sell her body for money. It's sad. Gilead's choice to become sexually involved with a prostitute caused big problems in his family throughout his growing up years. To begin with, I'm sure, I'm sure that his wife did not approve of Gilead using the services of a harlot. She was probably hurt deeply as any woman would be. Furthermore, the fact that Jephthah's mother was a prostitute caused the other sons in the family to to look down upon Jephthah. They looked down upon him. Look at verse 2. Look at at what verse 2 says. Gilead's wife also had several sons. And when these brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. You will not get any of our father's inheritance, they said, for you are the son of a prostitute. Wow. Wow. Seeing how the half-brothers treated Jephthah makes me want to cry. Doesn't it make you want to cry? It's terrible. It wasn't, think about it. It wasn't Jephthah's fault that his mother was a woman of the night. It wasn't his fault. He was innocent. He didn't choose his mother or a father, just as you didn't and I didn't. The half-brothers, the half-brothers should have been legitimately angry with their father, but not with Jephthah, not with Jephthah, who had no control over, over who would give birth to him. That makes sense, doesn't it? Let me say, dear friends, When a baby is born, as I was thinking of Jephthah, when a baby is born, that baby is just as precious whether the mother is a prostitute, whether the mother is single or married, the mother is rich or poor, the mother is royalty or is a commoner, the mother has many academic degrees behind her name, or She perhaps didn't even finish high school. The baby is as cute as a button or not. The baby is just so precious. That's right. A baby is just as precious whether or not he or she is is totally healthy with ten fingers and ten toes or if a baby has some particular defect or medical problem, whatever that might be. A baby is just as precious whether he or she is born premature... or is born full-term. Of course, we believe that the ideal way in which a baby should come into this world... is through a father and mother who are officially married in the eyes of God. But nevertheless... Every baby is just as precious. We all need to remember that and cherish that truth. My friend, what I am saying is every baby, red, yellow, black, or white, is precious in God's sight. Sadly, Jephthah's half-brothers did not learn that truth growing up. And they looked down upon poor Jephthah because he did not have the same mother as they did. Gilead's sexual promiscuity caused a lot of hurt to his own family and especially to Jephthah who had no control over who his parents would be. On the one hand, Jephthah's father deserves to be scolded for the sin of his sexual promiscuity. I'm sure you agree with that. On the other hand, we want to commend Gilead, the father. We want to commend the father because when we read in verse 7... It sounds like Jephthah grew up in his father's house. He grew up in his father's house. It sounds like the father had child custody. Why? Maybe because his mother was too poor to look after him. Or maybe because with the kind of profession she had, it would have been difficult, difficult to find babysitting when Jephthah was a young child. Either way... I feel sorry. I feel sorry for Jephthah and for his biological mother. If he did grow up for most of his life with his father and stepmother, I hope, I hope he still had regular visits with his biological mother. Don't you? I hope he did. My friend, Jephthah's father made a choice to get involved with the prostitute. And it brought about a lot of hurt in the family. This new year, this new year you and I will have times when we might be tempted, when we might be tempted and we can choose. We can choose between being a big help or a big hurt to our family and to others. Let us choose wisely, whatever the situation might be. Let us choose wisely, shall we? Sometimes people, men and women, choose, like Jephthah's father, to be promiscuous, sexually promiscuous. Don't do it. Don't do it. Other people, other folks choose to drink alcohol, which often leads to to family problems, cirrhosis of the liver, and car accidents. In the Church of the Nazarene, and I personally believe it is best, it is best for us to stay away from all forms of alcohol. Stay away. Stay away from from wine, stay away from beer, stay away from liquors, stay away from whatever other alcoholic products there there are. Just stay, stay away from whiskey, anything that has alcohol. Get rid of it all. Don't let it be a part of your life. It will save you a lot of headaches and heartaches. Amen. Some people choose to take non-prescription drugs. For several years now, in Vancouver, in Toronto, and, and most North American cities, we have seen thousands of people getting very sick or dying from drugs, overdoses they have taken. Sometimes, sometimes even if people survive taking drugs, the physical and emotional damage caused Is irreversible. Many years ago, a dear lady in her 20s, I think maybe she was in her late 20s, came to talk with me in my office. Uh, At that time, she was living with a lot, a lot of emotional pain. She told me of how she had been living in the United States and had a beautiful baby. She loved her baby, but somehow, after the child was born, somehow she got involved with drugs. And the authorities warned her and warned her and warned her and warned her to stop her drug use, or they would have to take her baby away for the the child's own safety. She told me she did not listen. She didn't listen. One day, the authorities arrived at her doorstep and they took her baby away. They said, we're sorry. We've given you so many chances to get straightened out, but your baby is at risk and your child can no longer be in your care. I think that happened about two years, about two years before she moved to Canada and happened to be talking with me, when she came to see me, I think she had been free from any drug use for for about seven or eight months, which was great. She was feeling physically so much better than she had ever felt since she had been on drugs. And because now she was free of the drugs... I thought there was a possibility that the authorities might consider putting her child back in her care. I had hoped it was possible possible because she was hurting so badly and, and missing that little baby so very much. I asked if I could phone the authorities in the United States to see if mother and child could be reunited. She told me that she had been told she would never see her child again. And I said, could I I at least try, could I at least try, do you have a phone number I can start with? I can't even be of any help unless I've got a number that I can maybe start with. She gave me a phone number. and And after being directed from one office to another, to another, to another, to another. And and finally, after being directed to someone who had some authority to talk with me and who had authority to go into the files, that dear caseworker eventually said to me, Pastor, I really appreciate what you're trying to do for that young woman. But she, she, she She said, Pastor... I have to tell you her precious her precious child was adopted just about 3 to 4 months ago a wonderful family a stable family adopted that little child and and that little one is now in great hands and is safe and sound and so I realized that there was really nothing more I could do to try to reconnect mother and child. Now obviously that hurting young lady was pleased to hear that, that her baby was with a wonderful family. But of course she was sad that there was no chance of ever getting her precious child, back again. The good news was she did not blame. She did not blame the authorities. She accepted responsibility. It's wonderful to sometimes see people accept responsibility instead of blaming everyone else. She blamed herself. But knowing her child was now officially adopted, she recognized That she needed to to move forward with her life, even with the great pain that that she carried in her heart. My friends, this new year, be careful. Be careful, please, to make choices which will help you and your family and others instead of causing unnecessary hurt. Amen. There's a third lesson that we learn from Jephthah's life that is so relevant to you and me, and it is this, number three, be accepting of someone, in your family, at school, at work, at church, or in your neighborhood, even though they are perhaps different. That's right. Even though they are perhaps different from you, which happens often. This truth comes from verses 2 and 3. Let's look at those verses once again here. Verse 2. Says, Gilead's wife also had several sons, and when these half brothers grew up, they chased Jephthah off the land. You will not get any of our father's inheritance, they said, for you are the son of a prostitute. Verse 3 So Jephthah fled, Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Soon he had a band of worthless rebels following. Him. Obviously, Jephthah was different. He came from a different mother. To the rest of the boys in the family, he was a half-brother. He was also different in that Jephthah was a great warrior. The very first verse tells us... Um, tells us that that fact. And, And then when you read the rest of the story, you see more and more how he was a great warrior and his brothers were not. Clearly, Jephthah was not accepted. He was not accepted primarily because he was from a different mother and, of course, a mother who was a prostitute. The lack of acceptance of Jephthah, my friends, the lack of acceptance of Jephthah inspires me to say. To say this. In this new year ahead. Let us be accepting, be accepting. I'm not saying I'm not saying accept and approve of a person's. Sins. No, no. I'm not saying accept and approve of a person's sins or wrongdoings. I am saying be accepting of who they are. Be accepting of who he or she is. Romans 15 in our Bible, verse 7, says, Therefore accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Therefore, accept each other, just as Christ has accepted you. In the case of a family, sometimes if most of the family members are really interested in sports, for instance, but there is one child who seems to, to have no interest in sports. On occasion, family members can be inclined to say, well, what's wrong? What's wrong with him or, or, or her? How come, how come he never wants to watch the hockey game or the basketball game or the football or baseball or, or soccer game with us? How come he, he or she couldn't care less about sports? What's wrong? What's wrong is nothing. Yeah. He or she is simply different from the rest of you. It's possible that he or she is totally interested in music, in music, uh, and will become a great musician. Or maybe he or she is interested in crafts or science or maths or Whatever. On television, there is a wonderful program called The Voice, The Voice, which I record and watch when I can. I suppose many of you probably also appreciate that program as well. The Voice is a a singing competition that goes on for, I don't know, about two and a half or three, three months, once a week type of thing, in this year's The Voice, there was a young man, there was a young man named Carter Rubin, Carter Rubin, who was only fourteen years old when the competition started. When I first heard him sing, I thought, wow, he has the voice, the style, and the song selection which can enable him to win this singing competition, which can enable him to win the voice. I thought that right from the first or second time I heard him sing. When they gave him a chance to introduce himself, it was interesting. He talked about how at school he was kind of looked down upon as being, um, as being kind of different, or, or, or weird, or nerdy. I can't recall the exact words he used, but something like that. He was, he was kind of frowned upon, you might say, because he was kind of weird, because he, he primarily focused on music and didn't show any interest in sports or other things which were a big deal at his school. I don't, think, I don't think too many students at his school are, are looking upon him as weird anymore because Carter Rubin of Gwen Stefani's team won season 19 of The Voice. He won it. And he was up against some incredible competition, incredible competition, But he won it, and he deserved to win it. Carter turned 15, by the way, during the competition, making him the youngest male contestant to ever win the show. When I think of some of the songs that he sang, such as You Say, which is a beautiful Christian song with a Christian message, I think there is a good chance that Carter is a Christian People who are different or or weird can be champions as well. That's right. This year, I challenge you to make an extra effort to show acceptance to that person, that person who is different, who is maybe, maybe extra shy or extra vocal, who is of a different culture or a different race, who speaks a different language, uh, who maybe dresses differently than you do, cooks and eats food that is foreign to you, comes from a very traditional family, or comes from a blended or a single-parent family. Let's be accepting. Amen? Amen? In the first point in this message I talked about how I talked about how God can make something good and great out of your life no matter what background you have think about that for a moment God can make something good and great out of your life no matter what background you have. Watch this brief video of a young man that truly can inspire you and me as to what God is able to do in our lives. As you just saw As you just saw this brief video of Nick Vujicic V U J I C I C As you just saw this video a young man with no arms and no legs May he further help you to believe that God can make something good and great come out of your life no matter what background you have. Amen? In order for God to be able to do this, he needs He needs you to put your life In God's hands. Is your life in God's hands? As you look ahead to this new year, is your life in God's hands? I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to place your life in the hands of the Lord. How can you do that? Here's how. By first of all understanding that he loves you. And because he loves you, he wants to make something good and great out of your life, no matter what what your background might be. And then believe, believe that Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross to pay the price. For your sins. And that on the third day he rose victorious over the grave. And you and I need to commit to say, Lord, I commit my heart. I commit my life to you. I place my life into your hands. I want to face this new year with you, Lord. I want to truly make you my Savior my Lord, the one who is the boss of my life. That's what what it means to make him Lord. To make him Lord is to to say, I I ask you to be the the boss in my life, the the CEO, the chief executive officer, the one that really, really guides my life, the one who, who, who directs me. And so if you would like to place your life in the Lord's hands as we face and look into this new year. I want you to pray this prayer with me, all right? I'm going to happen, I'm just going to keep my eyes open, but I'm going to pray, and I want to ask you to pray this prayer right where you are, but just pray it because you sincerely mean it. Don't pray it because Pastor Nick is asking you to. Pray it only because you sincerely want to put your life in the hands of the Lord. Dear Lord, thank you for loving me. I repent of my sins. Lord, I believe I can be forgiven because Jesus, your son, died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. I receive your forgiveness by faith. And Lord, I dedicate my life to you I commit my life to you. I want to to begin this new year devoted to Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for receiving me. I open up the door of my heart and my life to you. You have said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Lord, I open up the door of my life to you. Come in. Be a part of my life. And guide me in this new year to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer sincerely, I want you to send me, Pastor Nick, a note here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene. You can get all the information by going to our website, rosewoodchurch.ca. Send, send me a note saying on this special day, I gave my heart and life to Jesus, and we want to we wanna send you some materials that will help you begin your spiritual journey give some direction to you as to how you can be a part of one of our Bible study groups and grow spiritually. Amen. And now, my friends, we have the privilege of celebrating our faith. To those of you who have been believers in Christ for weeks, months, or years, and to those of you who just made a profession of faith, as you watch this service, I want to invite you, I want to invite you to take part in communion, the Lord's Supper. This is a celebration of our faith. The Lord himself ordained this holy sacrament. He commanded his disciples to partake of the bread and wine, emblems of his broken body and shed blood. This is his table. The feast is for his disciples. Let all those who have with true repentance forsaken their sins and have believed in Christ unto salvation draw near and take these emblems and by faith partake of the life of Jesus Christ to your soul's comfort and joy. Let us remember that it is the memorial of the death and passion of our Lord, also a token of his coming again. Let us not forget that we are one at one table with the Lord. I now want to invite you to take some bread in your hand. Some of you have the official communion cups that you've picked up from the church. Others of you who don't have them, you are, you are invited to just take some bread, a cracker, or other bread that you have in your home there and get a a cup of of juice, non-alcoholic juice of any kind that you might have handy. And my friends, I want to ask you to take the bread, hold it in your hand. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ which was broken for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ died for you and for me. And let us be thankful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for paying the price for our sins. And now I invite you to take your your drink. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you. And be thankful. Dear Lord, we thank you for your broken body and shed blood that has made possible the forgiveness of our sins, adoption into the family of God, and the promise of heaven. Thank you, Lord. We celebrate our faith. We celebrate our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. May you now be blessed through this special song, this beautiful song. Amen.